Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. Motley Fool Money. Stock of the Week. G'day fools and welcome to Motley Fool Stock of the Week, our very, very latest episode where we share with you one of the buy recommendations, current buy recommendations by the way, from the Motley Fool universe of stock picks. Now of course this series is all about bringing you, well taking you behind the curtain, bringing you a bit of a look on the inside. If you're a member of our services, thank you. If you're not, well consider this a bit of a taster of the sort of thing you might get inside the service. Not only do you get a free stock pick and a rationale, you get to hear from our analysts directly to kind of hear what they think about the companies. And also you get a sense of their investing style and their smarts, quite frankly. Uh, I'm very lucky to work with a very, very smart team of guys and girls who do a wonderful job on behalf of our members. I have no qualms in saying that. We do our absolute level best to be a member first. And I think you'll find today's conversation quite useful. Now, before we get into that, before I introduce our guest, uh, I want to throw a couple of things at you. The first thing I want you to know is that this is a buy recommendation right now. We're recording this on the very first day of September. In 2011, we reserve the right to change that recommendation as circumstances change. We don't do it too frequently, to be fair. The average age of our stock picks must be in the years, let alone months, weeks, or days. But if circumstances change, prices change, whatever, our conviction changes, we may change that recommendation. So know that it's a buy right now. I don't expect it to change. We ask the guys specifically to pick stocks they don't think will change soon, so we can use this content for a longer period of time, and it's more relevant, but it may change at some point. The second thing, I want to tell you is these are long-term buy recommendations. I mentioned that holding period measured in years for a very good reason. That is our target return timeframe. We don't know where the market's going today, tomorrow, next week, next month, even next year. Some people pretend they do. Some people even think they do. Uh, That's uh, gutsy. Let's put it that way. The long-term we think is our best chance of outperformance because we have time on our side. And so we're not predicting what will happen to the share price of any of these companies. They could rise 20% tomorrow. They could fall 40% tomorrow or next week or next month. We're looking up the long term and saying we expect these companies are market beaters. And lastly, and probably most importantly from a regulatory perspective at least, and ethically, we want you to know that we can't give you personal advice. So when we say a company is a buy, we think it should be considered a buy recommendation. We think it's going to beat the market. We can't tell you personally whether it's going to meet your circumstances, needs, or objectives. You need to work that out for yourself and get help from a licensed financial advisor if that's appropriate for you. All right, that's out of the way. It is important. I keep saying every every week, it's important. It is boilerplate to some degree. I say the same thing most weeks, but I do it because it's important. I really want you to understand those three key points before you hear from our analysts about what they think is worth buying right now. And with no further ado, the man of the moment, analyst extraordinaire, Chris Copley. G'day, buddy. G'day, Scott. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, mate. Thank you for joining us. Mate, without you being here, I'm just talking to myself. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain, speaking of that. Uh, you're listening to this for the first time. Unfortunately for Chris and I, this is the second time we've done it because the audio recording didn't work last time around. So there you go. <laughs> Hopefully we're going to get this one right. If we make any mistakes this time around, it's completely on us because we've had a trial run. Uh, but let's <laughs> let's get on with it, mate. You, uh, you're bringing us a company today uh, that is probably familiar to most people as a three-year-old red furry Muppet. We're not talking about Elmo the Muppet, though. We're talking about Elmo the company, Elmo Software in this case. Uh, I'm going to try and divorce those two thoughts in my head because I've got to say, I don't know if I would have called my company Elmo, but maybe that was, were they Elmo before the Elmo the Muppet? They probably were. Um, must be one of those things where you've got a name and all of a sudden the celebrity's got the same name as you and you're like, oh, man, there goes my life. In any case, Elmo Software is a company that provides kind of hr kind of solutions to small and medium companies, right? 
Yeah, that's that's right. So yeah, Elmo Software is it, it's a it's a leading cloud based provider of human resources and payroll solutions. And, and and yes, it's a very different Elmo to the Sesame Street Elmo. But but I will say one thing: its name is certainly memorable. So I'm sure is, the marketing staff have have no concerns with with that name. It it, it, it I'm sure it'd be a be helpful as well. How many tickle me Elmo jokes you reckon have been told, Chris? around the Elmo offices with partners and customers. Oh, yeah, it's all too easy to do. It's sitting right there, the content, <laughs> too easy to do. But, yeah, I, the, the name's oh, actually, it's an interesting backstory. So it, it comes from the, the acronym Electronic Learning Modular Objects. So so the business, when, when it first started, it was actually purely software in the, in the e-learning space. So so originally the founders of, of the business ran a, a digital agency where they developed websites and, and content management systems. And, and one of their customers, so... So this is before um, before it got its name Elmo. Uh, essentially, wanted to, to build a learnings course for their for their employees. So so the founders essentially built an e learning system for this project. They they rolled it out to their customers. Um, they loved the the look and the and the feel of their new creation, and they thought that you know this, this, there was an opportunity in the market and in this space. So so the business from there became Elmo. So that that was nearly two decades ago now, and the, and the business right, is okay. is a lot different today than what. It was back then. So uh, Elmo, instead of just offering its uh, its first e-learning solution, it now offers a whole suite of, of various HR tools. So it has it has its mm. payroll solutions, um, rostering solutions, survey tools, recruitment tools, onboarding tools, and and, and many more. So the, these solutions have been built up over over a number of different years through a combination of of both organic development and as well as uh, uh, making a number of acquisitions of other software companies around. So so for example, one of its recent acquisitions that it just made was a company called Web Expenses. So mm-hmm. essentially, Web Expenses is is an expense management platform. So it's a tool that businesses can use to help them manage. Um, processes around reimbursing uh, employee expenses. Um, so so there, there are plenty more examples of other acquisitions and, and new modules as well. So uh, uh, in, for example, a, a, a new module that they actually created organically is its experiences module. So um, this product, it, it essentially helps its customers create templates and workflows that can help help them uh, help their employees manage certain um, touch points or journeys. So, so for an example, if, if an employee got, got a promotion to a new job, when they start that job, they might need to meet um, certain safety hazard requirements or, or compliance requirements to actually do that job. So, so for these employees, the, the Elmo customers already actually created a, a certain set of tasks that they need to complete. And when they hit these milestones, um, well, so when they hit these milestones, they need to complete those separate tasks. So um, th- this can also be a, an automated process and that reduces uh, operating costs and makes sure that, that certain requirements are met for them to do their job when, when previously it may have actually been done manually. And this can actually mean that there could be mistakes or, or employees miss certain learnings or tasks that they're required to do that for their job. So, so yeah, as you, as you mentioned, Elmo's been around for, for um so for a little while so it was actually listed back in 2017 so it's a, it's a three four four year old listing now 2021 so it might be uh, one that many li- listeners are actually aware of not just because of the uh, the Elmo name but also because of the they recognise the company itself so originally the business started just in Australia and New Zealand but it's recently expanded into the UK as well and that that increases the size of its addressable market and and it also has uh, historically targeted 
uh, targeted mostly the small to medium sized businesses. And this is something that differentiates it from, from the other more sizable, uh, players in the market. So, so yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting business, Scott, and it's one that certainly changed and, and evolved o- over a number of different years. So this sounds like it, mate. Thank you for the summary. That's a, it's, it's an interesting kind of category because the march of technology, the availability of the internet, speeds, all that kind of stuff has made a lot of work processes just simply so much easier to take online and do easily. Zero accounting, of course, is probably the poster child for this one. It's not the software loaded on the computer. It's not the shoebox full of receipts. It's just too easy to kind of simplify the whole thing. You mentioned expenses. We use a different expense platform here, but the same kind of idea where you have to put the you know the, the receipts in an envelope and, and you know send them in an internal. Remember, you, you know, remember you're too young. There was a time when there was internal mail envelopes. Chris, put it that way. Our other listeners and viewers will know that. Um, you put the receipts in there. You, you just fill out a form with in, in handwriting. Someone in payroll pull it out, check them all off, all that kind of stuff. Just the, the ability of of software in general, the internet in particular, to streamline that process. Yes, you've got to pay for the modules up front, but the labor hours saved, the process time saved, and doing all of that, including, I said, zero. Um, you're effectively doing your accountant's work for you, right? When, when you load all the, the transactions up, they just get the report at the end of the month and check it off and make sure it's all okay. Um, it really does improve so much. It makes things faster, quicker, and ironically, still cheaper. Uh, I'm a I'm a shareholder of corporate travel management. I'm always amazed that they actually cost, they, 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 they charge, to do something that actually saves their customers money overall because of the process. And I imagine something like Elmo, again, they've got to pay up front, but the saving in labor, the saving in time, in bad expenses, the back and forth. Um, and again, I'm not just talking about expenses here, but everything, as you say, rostering. Imagine rostering Excel um, or, or trying to do it on, on a piece of paper, right? Those things are super, super useful. So look, I've I probably started down the, the track of answering for myself the next question I'm going to ask you, uh, but I will ask you next. So, of course, you've outlined the company, you've done a great job. Thank you. Let's go to the, the investment itself. So let's think about, great to have good companies. There are some great companies out there that I wouldn't touch because the investment returns simply aren't going to be there. Either they're too expensive, they're not going to grow um, in whatever shape or form. I'm glad they're there, uh, but I'm not going to buy them. So there's a difference between a great business and a great investment. Talk to us about why you like Elmo Software as an investment for our members. Yeah, so one, one of the things that I really like about um, Elmo's approach, so um, they, they follow the market and they listen and, and seek uh, feedback from their customers. So so this helps them, I guess, determine the pain points that their customers experiencing and what they can build and, and create to to make a better experience for these customers. So one, yes. one of the things that, that the customers told them early on in their, their life, and this has really helped guide its strategy for a number of years, is that they wanted a broader solution. So a solution that combined a wide array, array of HR tools. So this would enable you know the customers to manage all of their HR processes via the one vendor under a single dashboard and and under the one login to essentially uh, help their customers to, to remove friction of the processes and you were, you were saying that as well before with with the processor to the cloud and 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 the dif- differentiation the value proposition that it brings for 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 the companies to actually not not do these processes all manually, but to use a software that really helps them helps them actually to to do all these processes. So so the 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 reason so being a broader solution actually is a point of difference relative to many of its competitors, um, especially in in the smaller to medium size um, customer area. So it, it also uses um, its higher number of modules as a way of cross selling to its existing customer base. So so Elmo applies what what is a common strategy for for multi solution SaaS companies, and that is the land and expand strategy. So essentially, oh, that's love where it. we love it. We love a slogan, the, right? Land and expand. Okay, so let, let's let's break. I think you're about to. Let's break this down for our listeners. It's a nice little, nice little kind of rhyming, rhyming slogan. Uh, is it, is it, is it really a thing, matter, or is it just some some corporate buzzwords that make us feel good? 
I think it's really a thing. So essentially what it is, okay. it's where the business, so they first they first target um, growth in market share and their customer base by attracting attracting customers to at least one of their modules. And, and the right. benefit of this, this lend and expand strategy is as their customers grow more familiar with the platform, they then they can, can look to on-sell more of its modules to the customers, expand the relationship with their customers, mm-hmm. um, improve the monetization of its, ex- of its existing customer base. And another th- cool thing that comes from it, is it, it also helps them to increase the customer's reliance on the solution. So, so the more modules that the customers use, the more ingrained they are um, in, in the software and, and the more ingrained the software actually is in their operations. So the more difficult it is for them to actually switch to other solutions. So that, that's great for churn as well. It, it helps reduce it and helps, helps make the business more mission critical to, to its particular business. Um, so yeah, the, the other th- another few likes and things that that I like about the business is it's also looking to expand geographically. So um, mm-hmm. particularly, it's focusing on expanding into the UK market, as I mentioned, and a number of its recent acquisitions are actually helping them to do this. So so its acquisition of um, Breathe late last year is, is a good example of this. So, so Breathe is a HR platform um, that's that's in the UK. It already has thousands of UK based customers, and and this essentially gives Elmo an, an immediate foot in the door in the region. So. Um, mm-hmm. Breathe is also slightly differentiated as its software is targeted more at the small business um, market. So, so companies with less than 50 employees where Elmo's market traditionally has been um, been businesses that have employees somewhere between 50 to 2,000. So, so this, this does increase its addressable market that way as well. And, mm-hmm. and after the acquisition management estimate, it's uh, total addressable market uh, to be in the small to medium-sized business space in the UK and also in Australia and New Zealand to be, to be overall just below 13 billion. And, and considering that mm-hmm. the company generated annualised revenue of just over 80 million, I think there's still a long, long runway for this to continue to grow. Um, the company is also uh, it also has an experienced management team that that's founder led and has has significant amounts of inside ownership. So so one of the original co-founders actually still remains today as the CEO and he owns a bit over ten percent of the business. So so he definitely still has a material ownership and and the company also has a really strong balance sheet with around eighty million or so in cash and around thirty million or so in debt. So so this places the business in a, in a strong position to continue to invest towards its own its own future growth. Mm. So Elmo, the company is E-L-O, just for those I haven't used the code yet, so just to throw that in for your listening and viewing pleasure. Um, mate, it does sound like an impressive business. A lot of difference between the current $80 million revenue and the $13 billion potential market size. Uh, there's plenty of upside there. Of course, not the only player trying to take advantage of that. And I have to say, when you think about Breathe, you talk about Breathe. I, I, again, I'm transported back to zero. I don't want to keep kind of referencing necessarily. And zero Lots of sole traders, which obviously, you know, if you're a sole trader, you don't you don't need a, a complete HR management software. If you're managing yourself, you should be able to do that without software. Uh, but it, but it does, you know, the the sheer number of potential players, potential companies below that 50 employees must be multiples of of almost kind of current market, right? Well, they're not going to pay as much either. If you can make a bit of software once, which I assume is more basic software, less tailored, and then have it made available to hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of businesses around the world eventually, maybe certainly in Australia, New Zealand, the UK. It does it does look <laughs> given given the size of the potential market, there is there is plenty of upside left if they can capture it. Before I go to the risks though, let me let me do a quick ad. If you're listening to this, it's a good it's an ad for us. It's okay. If you are listening to this uh, on the Motley Fool Money podcast feed, then thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, if you are interested though, we also are broadcasting this on our YouTube channel. 
You simply search The Motley Fool Australia on YouTube. You can like and subscribe if you do. Please hit that notification bell and we'll send you, or YouTube will send you, a notification every time we put a new video up on the channel. And there's much, much more than just our Soccer of the Week. When I say just, Soccer of the Week's worth it alone. But you get plenty more besides that. So please consider that. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for doing that. My apologies, you have to look at my ugly mug every week, but uh, that's the price of admission. If you'd rather just hear, well, Chris's voice, not mine. If you'd rather hear us uh, on audio, do check out the Motley Fool Money podcast. It's done with our friends at Listener. Um, We do this episode, we do a a chat about every week about the news of the week, the business issues, the investment opportunities, and we do a mailbag uh, Q&A episode, which is probably our more popular one, every single week. So you get all of that free in your feed. And I have launched a new podcast called The Good Oil with Scott Phillips. Look that up. Uh, I don't like my own name in the title, to be fair, but the good people at Listener said that we needed to put that in so that the other Good Oil podcast wouldn't get confusing. So The Good Oil with Scott Phillips, if you look that up, you can subscribe. Our first interview was with Stephen Kukoulos. Really, really great feedback on that episode. In fact, the whole reason for the feed was we did some interviews this time last year, maybe a bit earlier, um, and the feedback was fantastic. We get more feedback on that than our normal episodes, which I'm slightly miffed about. That was in the Motley Fool Money feed. So we've launched a brand new feed called The Good Oil with Scott Phillips. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Chris, let's go to the risks of Elmo. We do in every single one of our recommendations at The Motley Fool ever, I think, certainly since we launched here in Australia. We've always included a section which is variously titled something like risks and when we'd sell, different versions of that in different services, but that's the broad idea. Yes, we're confident in the recommendation. That's why it's a buy, but we don't want our members and our viewers and listeners in this case to go in blind or to not consider the risks first or at least be prepared for them. So let's go to that, mate. What are some of the risks of investing our hard-earned cash in Elmo shares? So one of the risks and, and arguably the most important risk is is competition. So so many of its competitors in, in the small to medium sized space are single point solutions. So this is essentially what Elmo Elmo itself was back in the early days when it was purely that e-learning tool. So I think that Elmo does have some key advantages over these single point solutions given its more broader offering and 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 the ability for its customers to manage all of their HR tasks in the one spot. But but there are there are well, there are a number of uh, access management tools around nowadays such as the likes of of Okta which which both you and I use here every day at the at the Motley Fool Scott to help us manage our our own applications. Just explain Okta for us, mate. For those who haven't used Okta, yeah, the, the idea of single sign-on, how, why is that different? Why is that an issue for or potential risk for normal investment? Yeah, so using Okta, we can log in once at the start of the day, and then we can access all of our tools that we need through Okta without the need of, of logging into multiple different applications and, and trying to remember dozens of dozens of different passwords, which can which can be yeah. quite difficult to do. So, um so that that is certainly a risk that we that we need to consider. I think it's still low, but it's something to be mindful of. As Elmo needs to ensure that each of its modules are are of high quality, as as there are other solutions out there now which are helping to reduce the friction around having multiple different tools. Um, also, when it comes to competition, uh, Elmo also to some extent competes with the larger global HR providers. So the likes of your Workdays, your your Paycores, and and your Oracles. So um, most of these um, providers they target the larger enterprise customers. Um, so it, it's focused on providing solutions to small to medium sized businesses. Do uh, do somewhat shield it from these larger players, though. There's always a risk that that the big players with with larger pockets could decide to to increase their focus on on the smaller area of the market. So that's certainly something to look out for. 
Um, another thing to keep a close eye on, Scott, for the business actually came from its recent results. So uh, it's a statistic called the, the net customer dollar retention rate. So it's something that we see a lot in, in the SaaS company. So essentially, this is mm-hmm. a way of determining how you are monetizing your existing customer base. So historically, Elmo's been generating a uh, net customer dollar retention rate um, of above 100%. So, so that essentially means that the customers that had in the prior period, including those who didn't renew their subscription, were all up spending more with Elmo than they were in the prior year. Okay, so it's a bit like same-store sales, right, for a retailer. You take your your current existing store base in the same-store sales, Kate, in this case, your existing customer base, and saying that group of people in total, including, say, those who left but that group, there was 100 customers this time last year. This year, they've spent more with us than they spent last year as a group. And if that's a, if that's a positive number, then they're getting positive net customer dollar retention, right? Did I get that right? That's absolutely right. And it's it's real benefit as well. Without even adding new customers, you can continue to grow your revenue base just from purely the customers, the existing customers that you have. So that's a real strength and that's something that, that, you know, uh, is a real positive around SaaS companies and the recurring subscription revenue uh, style businesses that they, a lot of them actually have that, that benefit. So, but, but a concern with, with Elmo itself is in the most recent half year, this number actually dipped um, below 100%, so dipped to 95.7%. So um, we're still seeing its customers um, purchase more modules and spend more money with Elmo, but um, but we're actually starting to see um, a, a number of businesses actually um, not renew their subscription. So um, their retention rates actually dropped during that period. So Elmo's generally retained retention of above 90%, but but this number fell into the mid-80s in the last year. Now, that, that number can be explained um, by the pandemic to some extent. So a number of the businesses, um, particularly in, in the small to medium-sized space, have, have been doing it pretty tough in the last year. So you know, some would have unfortunately had to close down or, or at least um, had to be a lot more frugal when it comes to, to expense management. And, and this would have been something that would have impacted on retention rates for the business. So, so this isn't necessarily a deal breaker, but it's certainly something worth keeping an eye on because ideally we'll like to see um, Elmo's retention rates return to where they where they historically were before the pandemic. Otherwise, it could be a bit more of a red flag that, that's showing other problems within the business. Um, yeah, and, exactly. and one other point that, that I wanted to discuss as well that isn't particularly a risk, but I still think is something that's worth pointing out, Scott, is if you zoom out to, to early 2018, the company's share price was actually around the same price then that it is today. So, so its performance from a share price perspective over the last few years has actually been underwhelming. But but over that time, the business has been demonstrating some strong, some strong organic growth, and it's been success, successfully integrating new modules um, through different acquisitions as well. So, what I, what I think the difference now is is the price that we have to pay for the business. So, so there are periods of time where where growth rates for, for Elmo were comparable to that of, of Workday and other global HR software providers, but the the price you actually had to pay. Um, from from a revenue multiple perspective is actually more expensive or, or at least equally expensive. Even though it's a smaller business, it's a business that's unlikely to reach the same level of scale benefits. Um, it, it has higher risk of disruption and, and churn within its existing customer base just simply because of the nature of the customer that, that it provides its uh, solutions to as well. So, mm. um, so, so uh, paying that higher multiple is... is less easy to justify. But now that Elmo is at around a four times market uh, cap to annualized recurring revenue multiple, this is this is actually a steep discount to, to some of these larger players. So I think this is a, a much more reasonable price to pay and, and certainly makes, uh, in my opinion, Elmo a more attractive business to, to look at and invest in right now. Mm. 
certainly true if you got a, if you get more for the same price, you're, you're doing better. Doesn't mean, of course, that it last the price three years ago could have been just stupidly expensive. And now it's just broadly expensive. Uh, but as you say, at least it, at least it's cheaper in absolute terms. And I think you're saying from this point in particular, you actually do think it's going to be a market beater. Is that right? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I think it's important to separate our business performance and performance of the share yes. price because it's too easy, especially <laughs> if you don't if you don't really. Uh, if you don't really look fully into exactly how the business is performing and you're seeing the share price come down, you can get too too struck by sentiment and, and that can impact yeah. on your investment decision. And, and I think that Elmo's performing really quite well over the last few years. And, and whilst the share price doesn't say it, I think I think now is an, an attractive opportunity. I think Elmo will be a, uh, a market beater from this point. Beautiful. Now, Chris, all that's left for us to do is to deliver our patented elevator pitch we got i say 60 second elevator pitch and then you guys go between 30 and 90 seconds so i'm gonna i'm gonna call it i'm gonna i'm gonna stick the averages here and call it a 60 second elevator pitch but let's let's boil it right down you've done a spectacular job of describing the business you've described what you like about it why you think it's a worthwhile investment you've described some of the risks we're keeping an eye on boil it all down for us mate wrap it up in 60 seconds or so the elevator pitch for why our listeners and viewers should buy elmo software so Elmo, it's a capital light business that's growing at an attractive rate. It's founder-led and the management team is well aligned with their shareholders to deliver strong returns. And they've proven to have a strong track record over a number of years. The business still has a long runway ahead of it. It's got a large addressable market, which is continuing to grow as, as more people move from legacy software or from manual handling of these sorts of processes more towards the cloud. And also the opportunity for them to continue to sell more and more modules to its existing customer base. Um, also provides an attractive opportunity for the business moving forward. And, and despite all that, as we mentioned before, you can purchase the business at, at what I consider to be a, a very reasonable valuation. So so all up, I think think Elmo is a, is a great investment right now. There you go, fools. You heard it from the horse's mouth, or at least from Chris's mouth, a reason why you could, should, maybe, well, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but I hope you'll think about it, at least considering buying Elmo. It is an example, as I said, of the, some of the recommendations we have inside our various Motley Fool services. Chris, one of our gun analysts, delivering some great insights for you. Now, before we go, you can, and I think you should, join us on social media. Uh, it's a great place to get our latest, to interact, to chat. Chris, unfortunately, is not yet on Twitter. That's my goal for 2021. I've got a few months left. Uh, but in the meantime, you can follow both myself and the Motley Fools page. So if you want to follow me um, on Twitter or Insta, you can go to at TMF Scott P on both of those platforms. And again, on both platforms, the Motley Fools account is at the Motley Fool AU. You can jump on Facebook, the Motley Fool Australia, pretty straightforward. Or my page is Scott Phillips Money. You can get us across all those platforms. We're not yet on TikTok. Strange things have happened, but I, uh, I may be drag kicking and screaming to that one. We'll see how we go. But there's plenty of places you can join us. And as I said, if you are listening to this on podcast, thank you. Please check out our YouTube channel. And conversely, if you're on the YouTubes, make sure you jump onto the podcast feed as well because you get this and a whole lot more in both of those places. This is the one piece of content that goes on both. But for some podcast-specific stuff and some YouTube-specific stuff, you'll need to be on those two platforms. And, hey, it's free and it's great content. You just heard Chris give you a really great summary of one of our buy recommendations. All right, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And until next time, on behalf of Chris and I, full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.